Pastor Rob uh, spoke on unity last Sunday. I was away at a retreat, but I did get to hear it. Uh, I'm sorry that I don't have a whole lot of Navy SEALs stories for you this morning. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like to talk about those 20 years that I spent in the Navy SEALs very much. <laughs> um, in my dreams. <laughs> Actually, not even in my dreams. All right, I, I just got to be honest here. <laughs> All right, so I, I do want to talk a little bit more about unity, uh, how we walk this out as a church when unity takes effort. Do you know that sometimes things in the Christian life takes effort? It's not like, oh yeah, we're saved by grace, kick back and just everything just happens automatically and we have a perfect and wonderful life. Sometimes it takes effort. Sometimes your fellowship with one another will be challenged. Have you ever been challenged in your relationships, anyone? Come on, hands up. Be honest. All right? We've all been challenged. There are times when... Our commitment to love one another is going to be challenged and it will take great effort and cost. And so Paul says in Ephesians 4.3, and this is the NIV. This, uh, I read the ESV now, but <clears throat> I memorized this way back in the NIV. And it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Effort. It does take some effort sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Unity is a reality created by the Holy Spirit in Christ. It's already true that we are one in Christ. We're members of one another as the body of Christ we belong to each other unity is a spiritual reality in Christ but how we live this out how we walk this out sometimes uh, will take uh, a great deal of hard work and sometimes it'll be costly uh, i've observed uh, you know when i was when i was uh, 17 18 3 best friends in youth group walked away from the church and eventually away from the faith. And usually when they walk away from the church, it doesn't take long before they walk away from the faith. Uh, and each of them were offended by someone. Somebody had hurt them. And you may have noticed as well, uh, I, I've noticed over the years as I, as I meet ex-Christians, most of them have been hurt by someone. And you need to understand that as an image bearer, okay, how you image God to others will affect other people. It makes an impact on them emotionally. It makes an impact on them spiritually. How you treat one another in this room will make an impact on each other's spiritual walk this is the reality that we live with for better or worse and you can either help press people towards god or push them away from god 
we can't get away from that. It doesn't matter how small you feel, you make an impact. And you are not responsible for what other people do, for their choices, but you are responsible for the impact that you make on others. We're called to love one another. I want to tell you a story about uh, my experience teaching at Bible college. I taught for seven years. I haven't told this to very many, many, very many people. Uh, but uh, I taught for seven years. Uh, and during my fourth year, we had a change in administration, a change of presidents in the college. And our college took a sharp, sharp turn in direction. Just pictures like the Titanic uh, cruising along at 25 miles an hour and then turning on a dime, doing a 180 and everybody going, whoa, pressed up against the wall. Can you picture that? That's what happened to our college. Sharp change in direction and it quickly became a place where uh, where we were faced with with a lot of stress. It was a high-pressure, low-support environment. I was talking uh, last weekend with a former student of mine who was a staff assistant at the time, and, and, and he said, well, actually, I was asked by three different people, like, how were those years? What were they like? Because he himself felt the stress. Uh, it was a difficult time. Uh, so... Uh, and almost everyone left. I was the second last faculty member to to leave the college. Uh, beginning of my sixth year there, uh, a retired member came up to me in the lobby first week of class and and he had been disgruntled about some of the things that we, uh, we were no longer teaching in the college. There were certain doctrines that were part of the history, uh, but no one in the faculty really believed those things anymore. Uh, but he came up to me, first week of class, uh, I heard that you're teaching this and this and that, and he proceeded to, well, take me to task on, on some of these things. I, I later described this as... as a verbal assault. Um, I quickly saw that this was a one-way conversation. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a one-way conversation? How many of you love being on the receiving end of a one-way conversation? Nobody? <laughs> well, I was not enjoying this. In fact, I was starting to get a little bit quite upset. Uh, at one point, I said, I'm really sorry but uh, I, can, I, I can see that this is a one-way conversation. I'm, I'm really not interested in talking any further about this. Uh, I excused myself. He kept talking. I turned and started walking away to shouts. Uh, he, he, kept shout- he wasn't done, so he kept shouting at me. Um, in fact, uh, he, he was telling me that I had failed this particular student, and so I walked away with two shouts of, you have failed, you have failed, you have failed. And I was devastated. I was traumatized. Um, the, and I, I told Carlana about it, 
uh, I didn't talk to a whole lot of people about this. Uh, the president of the college who had released him to uh, go after the faculty um, saw me in the office one day and said, hey, uh, I saw you talking to so-and-so the other day. Uh, how did that go? And I was taking a moment trying to come up with some words <laughs> so as not to sin when I speak because I was so angry. Uh, and he kept right on walking without waiting for my response. And so here I am. I've been uh, traumatized by this retired member and, and uh, a president who really didn't want to hear about it because this is supposed to happen. Well, I started spiraling downward. Uh, I told Carlana uh, it wasn't until the end of that year that I spoke to, uh, to my academic dean because he asked me about it. I spoke to, uh, and then after that, the, the next year, uh, because the local pastor was, I was going through a credentialing process. He was my designated mentor. I did share with him, but three people that I spoke to, I, uh, I was, I was having a difficult time with this. And what I needed to do, of course, was to find someone to talk to, whether a counselor or my, it was affecting my performance, uh, to talk to my academic dean. Uh, but I was looking at Matthew 18 and thinking, you know, if your brother sins against you, uh, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. And I, I wanted so much to follow Christ's instructions. I did not want to go around gossiping about this brother who had hurt me. Uh, looking back, I realized that there are some exceptions to this. There are safe people that we need to be able to go to and talk to about things. Uh, but, uh, so I was, I was experiencing you know, just symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Um, my performance was going down. Uh, end of that year, I told my academic dean, I, I'm thinking of leaving. I really don't like this. And someone else was leaving at the same time, and he said, I can't lose you both. Please, I'm begging you to stay. And I made another big mistake, and I stayed. <laughs> so I stayed another year, and that was another difficult semester. They made some things difficult for me and I uh, well January after my first day of teaching the president called me into the office and he fired me didn't ask me to resign he fired me and so hurt upon hurt this was really difficult for me. I spent two years in England after that, doing my PhD studies. And I finished that semester, and I finished well. But uh, I went to England, did my PhD studies, and I spent two years just working through this. I, I was wounded. And for two additional years, so this happened... Uh, fall of 2010 and then January 2012 
And 2012 to 14, I was still getting flashbacks of events that happened, things that were said. And, and what did I do? I brought this to the Lord in prayer. I grieved and I cried and I journaled and I processed this because I needed healing and Jesus is the source of healing. Why am I telling you this story? I've, I've, even after that, I've shared with a handful of people. Uh, I did not go spreading it around, telling all my friends. I didn't go on Facebook with it. <laughs> okay. This was between me and my brother. And, and I wanted to pursue, I wanted to talk to this individual, but I was so wounded, I didn't want to be in his presence. All right. Sometimes we get like that, right? We, I just can't stand being there. So I, I processed this over the two years. Why do I tell you this? I want to, I want to do some teaching about this from Matthew 18. Jesus gives us instructions about how we handle some of these situations, and it will happen. Uh, I want you to know that I've lived this. I haven't lived it perfectly, but I've lived it well. And I want you to know that it can be done. And so I, I want to just do a bit of teaching through this chapter because I think it has a lot to offer us. You will be challenged when you are living with imperfect, unglorified people. Sometimes you'll get hurt. And this is extremely important. Uh, so Jesus, oh, his disciples comes to him, Matthew 18. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, you know, unless you become like little children. Um, now verse 5, he says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Uh, harsh words, I know. Uh, but Jesus wants us to care for one another. How the last thing you want to do is to cause someone else to sin. All right? And in the words, in the Greek here, it's cause someone else to stumble. Don't cause your brother to stumble. You want them to succeed. When you look around this room, these are, this is your family in Christ. You are on the same team. You're for each other. You want each other to succeed. And if you actually want someone else to fail, <laughs> then you need to repent of that before the Lord because your heart is not right. We want each other to succeed. We want to help each other to live well, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in faith and obedience. The spiritual life is not a competition. It is not. Uh, when you win, I win. You know, I, I've been working with university students and I'm training leaders. And, you know, if I were to be really, really, really successful... Some of these students will, will grow up to surpass me, to 
become greater than me. I, I was telling my leaders Friday, like, look, you're, you're 19 years old, you're 20 years old. I want you to be more mature and more godly than I am when you get to 53. I don't mind if you pass me because my job is to lift you up, to help you succeed, to help you thrive, okay? and to do great things. So, so, so uh, yeah, I'd be quite happy if I raised up another Billy Graham or D.L. Moody or Corey Ten Boom or Elizabeth Elliot. You know, we, we just, we want each other to succeed. Uh, verse 7, Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. People will sin, and people will sin against you. And if you're living in this world, you need to learn to be willing to hurt. I know this is bad news, but it's true. And if you embrace this, it's actually good news. Believe me. Uh, Pain is not something to be avoided at all costs. Did Jesus avoid pain at all costs? He had, he had more important things to do. He had greater priorities on his agenda. Learn to embrace the pain in your life. Your priority is, is to honor Christ. Your, your priority is to glorify God, to serve his kingdom here on earth. First Peter 2.19, For this is the gracious thing, when mindful of God, and keep that one in mind, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Now, I was uh, uh, first roommate in Calgary. I was 24, uh, coming out of Bible college. I remember he had some people over. There was a party after the party. We were cleaning up. And he said something to me that, that made me feel really disrespected. I was angry. I was mad. I ex- I went off to my room and, and just spent some time with the Lord processing this. How do, I'm just so, so mad at him. Uh, the Lord brought me to, to Mark chapter 8. And Peter had confessed Jesus as the Christ. And then Jesus said, uh, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to suffer and die. And Peter says, no, you can't do this. He took him aside, started rebuking him. And, like, you're supposed to be the Messiah. You're supposed to rescue us from the Romans. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Men are concerned about being comfortable. We are concerned about avoiding suffering at all costs. And Jesus says, what about the things of God? We're about saving the world here. We're about rescuing the world, putting an end to sin and death. That's what God is up to. Get your priorities straight, Peter. Take up the cross and follow me. We need to decide that avoiding pain 
and suffering will not be our first priority. Because it's going to come. And God has more important things going. Okay. It doesn't mean you become a doormat. doesn't mean you, you let people destroy you. Uh, but sometimes God will call you to love some very difficult people. Some people in life are going to be prickly as porcupines. And if we're to love well, we have to be willing to, to hurt a little bit here and there. Please understand, there are times when you need to get out of a relationship that's hurting you. You need to draw the boundaries. You need to take responsibility for yourself. You're being abused. <laughs> Put some distance between you and the abuser. But <clears throat> that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we have to absorb some pain in order to love people well. Uh, verse 8. Uh, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet be thrown into the eternal fire. And if, and if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Avoid sin at all costs. It is when you're hurting that you will be most tempted to sin. Most of the time, we're doing things to try and to try and gain a little bit more comfort, uh, to try and ease the pain, to try and ease the discomfort somehow. Most sin works this way. How do I make myself feel better? And when you're hurting, you will be tempted, whether direct attacks against someone by bombing them and, and blasting them with your words by passive-aggressive behavior. You're going to freeze someone out or stonewall them or blast, <laughs> fling <clears throat> a thousand sarcastic remarks at them. Uh, go around gossiping. We, we do this. We do this because somehow it makes us feel, we think it'll make us feel just a little bit better. So examine your own heart. Decide ahead of time that I would rather be sinned against than to sin against someone else. Can we, can we just decide ahead of time that it's better to be hurt than to sin against someone else. Verse 10 to 14. Sheep are precious. Treasure them. Look around. Look around at these wonderful people. These wonderful, imperfect, sinning, <laughs> but loved by Jesus. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look around. These are people for whom Jesus laid down his life. They're important to him. How well do we honor one another 
Can we learn to respect one another? Treat one Don't we all want to be treated with respect? We need to do this. So, 15 to 20, we get... We get into Jesus' specific instructions about uh, resolving conflict. Um, and he says, okay, if your brother sins against you, go show him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not, take one or two others along with you. And so Jesus gives us uh, some specific directions here. Speak to the offender alone. If he doesn't listen, bring one or two others with you. Thirdly, if that doesn't work, tell it to the church, he says. And fourthly, treat the person as a tax collector or sinner if he simply will not listen and will not repent. Now, throughout church history, we've seen these instructions abused. We've seen them applied unlovingly uh, at times. (laughs) Some... Uh, I, I've been to Russia twice. I wanted to go on a third, uh, a third time on a one-year team. Uh, I, I later found out that uh, these missionaries were excommunicated by their church. They had an excommunication service and excommunicated our missionaries and, and the young people who were associated with them. And I'm going, how does this happen? Yes, it's been abused. Uh, and so... Why don't we practice ex- excommunication here at Calvary? Generally, I, I don't know the last time we did that, uh, long before my time. Or well, there are reasons, uh, and and so how might we apply some of these principles to our context in the most common cases that might happen here? All right. Yeah. So that's that's what we want to do with the time that we have remaining. Uh, first, discern the source of the offense. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, if your brother sins against you, sometimes we get offended even though someone hasn't sinned against us. Sometimes I can be upset. Uh, because even though I have no reason, no proper reason to be upset. You know, if I drop a hint that, yeah, you know, these days I just don't have time to mow my lawn. And then I sit at home and I wait. And you don't show up to mow my lawn. Should I get upset with you? Do I have the right to get upset? At you? We, we put all these false expectations on each other, and then we get mad when people don't come through for us, right? We have these subtle demands on people. Oh, by the way, did you guys know, Greg, nice guitar that they gave you? Uh, Do you know that I'm a guitar player too? And I'm using a borrowed guitar, but, you know, um, I don't expect anyone to buy me a $4,000 guitar. Not really. Hint. <laughs> so, so now I'm going to wait at home and 
All right, December, Christmas passes. Uh, my birthday passes. And there's not these expectations that we have no right to expect. We make demands. We make demands on one another that we have no right to make. And the problem isn't there. The problem is right here. We need to repent of that and give people freedom <laughs> to be who they are and to do what they do. So, where is the offense coming from? Has your brother sinned against you? So, they sin against you, what do we do? You approach the offender directly whenever possible. If, uh, if I've done something to Jake, and he says, Oh, Elmer, that he really sinned against me this time like that was serious that was really bad uh, best thing for him to do is to talk to andy right <laughs> no come talk to me and say you know elmer that thing you did that that wasn't right what's going on he's inviting me to repent and and to to be reconciled to him right He's inviting me to relationship. We want to approach the offender directly whenever possible. Now, things can go wrong. Uh, one of the things that can go wrong is that uh, you, you approach this as a battle. I'm going to trash Elmer, and I'm going to drive him down to the ground, and I'm out to seek and destroy I know Jake wouldn't do that, but, but I'm going to seek and destroy. Usually it doesn't end well. Okay. Uh, another thing, so we want to approach the offender, inviting them to repent, to be reconciled. Another thing that can go wrong, the response then is defensive. What? Me? I No. That, what's wrong with that? Or that didn't happen. Okay. And I can get defensive about even though... In my heart of hearts, I know I've done wrong. It doesn't feel good to admit it. Well, admit it. Why? Because it's godly. And because the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. Let's be quick to repent. Uh, I did approach that retired uh, member of the faculty uh, about a year later. And he said, I don't see how I've sinned against you. Well, nothing I can do about that. I, I can't ram it into him. But let's be quick to repent. Learn to honestly examine our hearts and be quick to repent. Uh, another thing that can go wrong, complainant and respondent have two different views. We simply don't agree on what happened. This was the case uh, uh, in the college with, with this man. I saw it one way, he saw it another way. So, uh, with, whichever, whether you are the, the offender or the offended, keep your heart soft before God. This is so important. Are we, are we a people of Christ inhabited by the Holy Spirit? 
Let's keep our hearts soft before God, sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit when he says, Elmer, this wasn't right and you need to repent. We want to be quick to hear and to respond. Uh, Now, when you're not able to resolve the issue uh, at this stage, or sometimes you simply feel unable to approach the person, uh, I was like this with this man. I simply could not approach him. Uh, What do we do when we cannot resolve this? We involve a mature leader to help resolve the conflict. Who can we go to? Well, perhaps this happens within your community group uh, and you trust your community group leader to, to handle this well. That could be your first line of, of appeal. Go and speak to your leader. Now, if you're a community group leader and one of your members don't come to you, Please don't get offended. They need to go with whoever they are most comfortable with. And so if you're, uh, if you're not comfortable going to the person, perhaps you can approach an elder in the church. That's what elders and pastors are here for. Okay. And so uh, you might go to an elder. Uh, if your grievance is against an elder and you can't resolve it there... Uh, Perhaps there's another elder that you're comfortable talking to. Go and approach them. If, if you're offended by an elder, don't go talking to your Sunday school teacher. All right? Please, let's keep this now at the elder level. If, if this is what's going on. Uh, so, how do we do this? And I know I've been up here for a while, but we're wrapping up here. How do we do this? Uh, let's say uh, let's say Jake is is upset with me and feels I've sinned against him all right and uh, but he can't approach me and so he goes to Dave and says Dave you know this happened with Elmer but I just can't stand him right now. I can't talk to him. Or, uh, I've tried talking to him and it's not working. Can you help me walk through this? And so now Dave is going to to walk with Jake and say, okay, let's talk about this. Let's address your emotions. Let's address what's going on inside of you. How do we help Jake to walk this out in a godly manner? To move towards forgiveness, forgiveness, and to move towards reconciliation. But notice, as Dave's talking to Jake, this is not about Elmer, this is about Jake. Because he's talking to Jake, how do we help Jake to walk this out properly? Right? This is not an Elmer bashing time. Now, Dave will then come to me and say, hey, I just want you to know that someone has an issue with you, a grievance against you, and, and they've asked me to handle this. Uh, just so you know. So now Jake is accountable to Dave okay, to walk through this properly. And Dave is accountable to me because he is not going to turn this into an Elmer bashing session. 
he's helping Jake to walk through it. And if Dave has uh, doubts about me, like, Elmer, you really messed up. You sinned. Well, he needs to clarify that with me. All right? Or if he starts going, well, I don't know about this Elmer character. He, he really shouldn't be an elder anymore. Well, long before that, he needs to be communicating with me and clarifying things, right? So that, all right, so, and I need to trust Dave to handle this properly. So Jake is accountable to Dave to walk through this in a godly way. Dave is accountable to me to handle this in a way that honors me, that respects me, and that's that's appropriate, right? So uh, we want to do this in a way that honors one another, ultimately moving towards healing and reconciliation to strengthen our unity. All right, are we getting this? All right. In case you're concerned, I'm not going to do the rest of the chapter. <laughs> I know there's still verses 21 to 35. And 21 to 35, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. All right. Forgiveness is about canceling the debt that someone else owes you. I'm not going to go to him and try and collect the debt. I choose to absorb the loss in Christ by the grace that Christ gives me. Now, there are times when you, you need to make restitution, talk that through, but that's for another day. Learn to forgive. All right. I want to wrap this up. I, I just want to say relationships are messy. The fact is, our lives are messy. Our hearts are messy. We're not glorified yet. I can't wait till Jesus comes. Can't wait till Jesus comes. And we'll have perfect fellowship in heaven. But in the meantime, sometimes things get messy here in the church. Let's learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn to walk in the Spirit. Learn to live a life of unity. As his community. Do you know the Holy Spirit is all about love? The Holy Spirit is all about unity and fellowship. You make a study of the Spirit in, in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is passionate about creating fellowship and unity. Learning to love one another. And so let's, let's follow the Spirit. Let's walk in the Spirit with one another. So I'll pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word that is so true and so good. Lord, we open our hearts to you. And we pray that you would make our hearts tender and responsive to your Holy Spirit. Will you teach us to love well and to walk in unity even when it's hard? Thank you for the grace that you give us. Thank you, Lord, that you are enough for every challenge in life. So be blessed, Lord, in the way we live with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.